The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, and 106.9thefan.com. Glad to have you joining us, however, wherever you're doing so. Hope your Thursday's been good. If you want to be a part of our show, you always know the drill. You can call in or at least text in at 435-339-0321. If you want to call in, have your voice be heard, uh, it's 435-752-1069. A lot to get to on our show today. We'll preview Jazz Nuggets Game 3, Critical Game 3 tomorrow with Mike Conley, Hopeful to be back. Now, he uh, uh, reports were yesterday that all he had to do was pass the quarantine protocols and such. Knowing Mike Conley, I don't think that's a problem. He's not going to go out searching for chicken wings or anything like that, so he <laughs> should be okay. So hopefully they'll have their starting point guard back. What does that mean for the Utah Jazz? As they, uh, I mean, Again, you're dealing with a very upset and very angry Nuggets squad. and uh, Nuggets had to deal with... Uh, the Jazz like that, and uh, you saw what happened. Jazz were up by 30 at one point late in the fourth quarter. It should be a fun one. Now, the uh, Mike Connolly is listed as probable. I'm going to say that he's playing. Just because he's not currently with the team. Yeah. Did you see the video Dom put out of Twitter of him? No. So Dom put out a Twitter, and like Mike Connolly's just kind of standing in this little, I mean, he has to quarantine, so he's stuck there, and he's just looking out his window at Donovan, and Donovan just giving him some grief. Uh, as Mike Conley's kind of like, uh, I want to come out. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, Jazz again, Nuggets tomorrow, Game 3, that's at 2 o'clock. That will interrupt our show. So expect to hear from us around 4.45, 5 o'clock in that range, depending on how this game goes and what it looks like. And then uh, Game 4 will be on Sunday at uh, one. No, excuse me, 6 o'clock in the evening, Mountain Time. Uh, you'll have that game. So uh, we'll get to that, and we'll have the help of uh, Utah Jazz Radio Network analyst Tim Lacombe. He's a former assistant at BYU uh, under Dave Rose, and now he's uh, on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. You'll hear him on the station tomorrow uh, afternoon, and uh, especially at halftime. So stay tuned for that. He'll join us at about 5.15 this evening to talk Utah Jazz Nuggets. Uh, excited to hear from him. One of the really good guys in the biz. So uh, we look forward to that. Uh, really quickly, as you heard at the top of the hour, 104.96 right now. Thunder trailing the Rockets. The Thunder were up, Eric, 80-77 to with about, what, eight minutes left in the game. In the game, Harden, after two points, are scored by on a layup, I believe, by Gordon, or excuse me, Tucker. Uh, Harden goes out. Nuggets, or not Nuggets, wow, I'm getting all sorts of confused today. Rockets ensuingly go on a 17-3 run. It was 15-0 run, turns into a 17-3 run. It was a 12-point lead for the Rockets uh, as James Harden came back in. This was this is without Russell Westbrook. So just maybe, maybe it's a good thing that the Jazz didn't face the Rockets in round one and said we got the Nuggets like we were... Hoping to get about a month and a half ago. Yeah, Houston is a dangerous team in the playoffs. This is without Russell Westbrook, man. And it, James it Harden is. had a horrible day today. Uh, one of the big criticisms about Harden when it comes to the playoffs is that he eventually loses steam because uh, he's such a high-use guy that he eventually runs out of steam. Uh, this uh, The Rockets club feels really good about where he's at physically. Um that he's had time off, uh, but he's he stayed in shape, but he wasn't gassed, and so they're they're feeling pretty good about how we may be able to help them, not just through the first round, maybe not even through the second round, but even a little bit further than that. But you know what? It doesn't help when you're Oklahoma City, and you go like five minutes without scoring yeah. any points. And by the and that's way, that's what happened to them in the fourth. A quarter. lot of it was bad basketball too. A lot of it was ISO possessions, one on ones, and Dennis Schroeder has been just killing his own team. Bad possession basketball on, on the offensive side, really bad defense, too much flopping from Schroeder. Not enough of just straight-up defense. Look, the refs understand how the Thunder and the Rockets work. They're not stupid. They've done their homework. So when they see someone hit the floor, they're not going to immediately call a foul. They're going to assume 
that it's flopping. And Schroeder <laughs> on one point, there was two possessions that were consecutive possessions where Schroeder one time was getting backed in by James Harden. And without even James Harden had pulled away from him, Schroeder then hits the ground out of nowhere. James turns around, hits a fadeaway jumper. And then on the next possession, Harden comes down, goes to the hole, and Schroeder for some reason flails his body backwards while James is going forward in front of him to the left side. And Schroeder falls backwards, and James gets a free layup to the hoop. And Chris Paul just lost it on Schroeder. It's just it's too much flopping and not enough to let's play basketball. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of flopping. It has been already in this um, in this series uh, between in this uh, between the Rockets and the Thunder. Sure, hope that doesn't continue. But you know what's going they to. Gotta right? a, I mean, they you just get know how it. it is. Uh, final score: Rockets do beat the Thunder one eleven ninety eight. They improved to two and zero in the series, and I would say this one's all but over. Look, when Harden has the horrible day that he had, and you don't have Russell Westbrook, you have to win that ball game. You have to find a way to win. But that's what's so great about the Rockets is that they'll just, I mean, they'll keep chipping at it and chipping at it. They'll use Tucker. They'll use uh, Gordon. They'll use anybody who's willing to go out and find a way to get a bucket without Harden being productive. And that's what they did today. Again, final 111. Actually, it's 111.98, excuse me, as a layup there at the end. Uh, doesn't really do a whole much for the Thunder. So they uh, fall to 0-2 versus the Rockets in the series. And uh, game three will be Saturday afternoon. Uh, meanwhile, Miami beat the Indiana Pacers 109-100. How about the Miami Heat? How about Jimmy Butler, Eric? Jimmy Butler has just been incredible so far. 38 minutes, he had 18 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals. He did have five turnovers, but it really didn't matter at this point. Uh, Crowder had 10. Uh, Gordon Drogic, who's been really good in the bubble, had 20. Well, they got a big lift off the bench with uh, Hero, who uh, who came in. And when you get 15 points off the bench from somebody you don't expect, that's, that's huge for any team. And Bam Bam was really, I mean, he was held in check. He only had 7 points, 3-7 from the field, 1-2 at the line. He had 4 assists, 2 steals, 5 boards. And on the other side, Eric, every starter for the Pacers was in double figures. 14 from Warren, 17 from Turner and Brogdon, 12 from Holiday, and 22 from Oladipo, and you still lose by 9. Like, that is that is an absolute punch in the stomach if you're Indiana. Like, we played our very best basketball despite little help from our bench, and we still lost by 9 to the Miami Heat. I would say, I don't, which series would you declare over now? Miami, Indiana, or Rockets, Thunder? Oh, man. Um, I would probably lean more towards Rockets Thunder. I just don't, because Russell Westbrook hasn't played a minute in that series yet. Now, there may be an argument that could be made that does he really help his team if he's on the court? Um, but I actually think he does in that Houston system. He he attacks the rim. Um, and uh, it's the way he plays aggressively. Uh, and I don't think that uh, Oklahoma City just really has enough depth and enough firepower to, to keep up with Houston. No, I'm with you, and I like, I like the point you bring up. The depth and the firepower offensively that Houston's got is going to be a killer for Oklahoma City Thunder, especially if they continue to play ISO basketball, which is something the Rockets are really good at, but are also really good at defending as well. So it doesn't really help them. Uh, games later on today, in fact, one is about to begin. Orlando Magic, who have a 1-0 lead on the number one seed, Bucks. Uh, that is about to begin here in just seconds. Did you see the line on that game, though? No. Milwaukee by 13. Yeah, what was the line in game one, though? <laughs> no, that's a good question. I mean, I'm really, sure like, look, favored. if you're Orlando, you're saying to everybody, we have no pressure. Like, we just go out there and let it fly, play loose, have fun, because we shouldn't even be up 1-0 right now. This is all free basketball yeah, for them anyway. Yeah, this is anyway. just, hey, we're here for fun now. And if we lose, we go home and get to be with our families. If we win, we're on to round two. This is great. No pressure for them. 7 o'clock tonight. By the way, that game is on ESPN, as is the uh, night capper tonight. Should be another good one. Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Portland leads this series 1-0. By the way, it is the first time since 2000. I got to look this up again. I believe since 2002, Eric, that both number one seeds lost game one in the same playoff. I have to, I'll have to look this up. I think it's from courtesy of ESPN Stats. Yeah, I think I saw that too. And I think it's happened like three or four times in the history of NBA playoffs. 
Uh, but three of the four times, all the number ones, they still won their series. Yeah, I got to... If I remember that correctly. Well, and then the question is, is which one would you say, in fact... Here you go. Since the seeding began in playoffs in 83-84, the only other season where both number one seeds lost their respective opening games is 2002-03, Pistons and Spurs. Oh, it's only only one time. Okay. And both those teams, by the way, ended up going to their conference finals. Uh, the Pistons and Spurs went on to win their first-round series, with the Spurs eventually winning the NBA Finals. In fact, no, that was years. In fact, I was going to say Spurs and Pistons played in the NBA Finals. That wasn't until 05, where the Spurs won it in seven games. Uh, so again, uh, Milwaukee Orlando is about to begin here. Milwaukee is a 13-point favorite. That doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. You can throw those favorites out the window because Orlando is just out there to play. And Portland and L.A. tonight. That will be at 7 o'clock, both games on ESPN. Uh, some news really quickly coming out of the bubble. Uh, first one being uh, Mike Conley. Ben Dowsett's re- reporting that uh, Mike Conley's status tomorrow, as you mentioned, Eric, is still needs to clear quarantine, and his fourth negative test will have to come in prior to Game 3 for him to be activated. He says, according to reports, probable status indicates expectation is this likely will happen. So, I'd, I'd say plan on seeing Mike Conley tomorrow. I think he'll play. I mean, the, the league said that he could be cleared. Does he start? I know it's kind of a weird question, but the guy's just the- doing... The only reason why I might pause on just saying, well, absolutely, the only reason I give pause to that is just because he's been away from team basketball activities. Good point. But he should start. I mean, maybe he doesn't play a full 30, 35 minutes. Yeah. But um, I would expect Mike Connolly to start. Would you, and doesn't this give you confidence to know that if Conley doesn't have to play that 30 to 35-minute range, you've got guys like Juan, Juwan Morgan, who's been wonderful. Uh, you're getting contributions from even Moutier. Uh, mm. I, I know you, you kind of yeah. squirm at that just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it could be worse. Like, George Yang finally came alive yesterday. It took till game two of the playoffs for him to actually hit his shot when he was open. True. And then another question for you, when Mike Conley's not playing point guard, Donovan Mitchell? I mean, do we see Donovan Mitchell taking heavy point guard minutes then? That's what he's that's the role he's been playing in the first two games. Mm-hmm. He's been the de facto point guard. Well, he and Joe Ingles, they've been the initiators of the offense. So, uh I don't know that that necessarily changes. I think Donovan without the ball in his hands isn't as good as Donovan with the ball in his hands. But I think that Having Mike Connolly on the floor gives another playmaker, another shot maker, somebody else to lead the team. It's not all on Donovan's shoulders. Which is exactly what you would you would almost want at this point. Is I mean, and Donovan's willing to take over a game at any point, but as we saw in game two, we discussed it yesterday in our um our little mini post game, if you will. But when Donovan has the knowledge of, hey, I can take a game over here, or hey, I want to get people involved. He's so dangerous. He's so good. And the fact that he knows that he is absolutely unstoppable, that's when he's at his best. He knows nobody else can guard him. That is when he's at his best. I mean, some of the shots, Eric, we were sitting there watching the game, and we were losing our minds. Like, oh, that that actually went in. I mean, he had a tough tough, – Three with a guy in his grill. He had a tough turnaround fadeaway jumper way out on the perimeter. Knocked that down. Uh, you know, and, and someone brought up a really good uh, thought on Twitter. The pass to the kick out to the corner, I believe it was to, was it Niang for three, where he was in midair, spun around, found Niang, and Niang hit the three. Everyone talks about Niang hitting the three and for good reason, but the pass that he made in midair to decide that Niang's open is unreal. Like, that is Donovan Mitchell-esque basketball. Yeah, the 360-degree assist. I mean, that's not something you see every day. Uh, we're going to get back to the Jazz in just a moment. want to recap these two other games so briefly. Boston Celtics just dismantle, undress, and dominate the 76ers. 128-101 your final score. You know, it's crazy. $150 million is uh, <laughs> is on the books for the 76ers next year, this upcoming season. 150 million. They got to. They got to pay out. The guys like Tobias Harris, Jill Embiid, um, Ben Simmons, Burks is even supposed to get paid. 
and they are down 2-0, and neither of these games have really been that close. Is Boston that good, Eric? Or are the 76ers just in that much um, in that much of trouble? Just because, I, I, I mean, I don't know what to say here. I, I think there is dysfunction in Philadelphia. Uh, I think it, it's, it's more than just is it having Brett two Brown? guys that kind of play the same position. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how much I'm like a big fan of Coach Brown. Yeah, I think he's a decent coach. Um, but when you have this much talent on the court, you got to be winning games here. There, there are higher expectations. They are they are consistently perform below their expectations. Embiid had 34 points in 34 minutes, 11 to 21 from the field, uh, 12 of 13 at the free throw line. Really good numbers. He had 10 boards, three assists, and one block. Uh, Tobias Harris had 13, Richardson had 18, Matisse Thibel, the former Washington Cat, uh, had two points, and uh, Shane Milton had 14. Nobody on the bench went into double figures, including Al Horford, who in 23 minutes, 2 or 3 from the field, he had two rebounds, just not what they expected out of when they got that guy. Uh, for the Celtics, wonderful from Jason Tatum. Again, he is just absolutely highlighting these playoffs. 33 points, 12 to 20 from the field, 8 to 12. Eric from DP had five boards, five assists, uh, no steals, no blocks. And then Kemba Walker had 22. He was 8 of 16 from the field. He was 1 of 6 from deep. Uh, Jalen Brown had 20 points. He had uh, 6 of 6 from the line. He was 6 of 13 from the field and 2 of 7 from deep. Um, this, This Boston team, I think, is just too much for the Sixers. But can they compete with a team like the Milwaukee Bucks? Not having Gordon Hayward hurts Boston in that series. Uh, did you I see, told everybody that. Did you see this about uh, Woj? No, hit me with it. Uh, telling stat on Gordon Hayward this season. This is according to Adrian Wojnarowski with ESPN. He is the only player in NBA history to average at least 17 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4 assists, shoot 50% overall, 30%, 36% on threes, with a usage rate below 22%. Hey, I saw this, I think it was early this morning. Maybe you have it. I don't know, maybe you don't. He has like a fourth child coming up, doesn't he? Like he's supposed to have like birth of a kid yep. in like end of August or end of like middle of September, something like that. Yeah, his fourth child is uh, is due. Uh, I'm trying to see when because that. Because I know he's out for like three to four weeks. Yep. Which would take it past the Eastern Conference Finals, but if he wants to get back in time, some point in September. And his, by the way, his wife probably wants him to get home and take a nap too at some <laughs> point as well. Uh, but Watch the kids while she takes a nap. See, see, here's the thing about Gordon Hayward: like people didn't think he'd be that big of a loss, which is absolutely insane. Gordon Hayward has mattered to this starting lineup. He is huge for the starting lineup. To say he's not is in. Incredibly uneducated, and I feel like he'll have a he could have a big effect on the Eastern Conference Finals if they were to get there and play the Bucks. But I guess, no, excuse me, they'd play the Bucks in the second round, wouldn't they? Because they're a four-five matchup. Is that right? Or they is that a three-six matchup? I don't even know. I should look that up. Huh? Shame on me for not knowing. Yeah, Boston's number three. Okay, so they don't have to worry about Milwaukee until the. No, that would be con- if, if they make it to the conference finals. Yep. So they get the winner. Uh, but, I mean, Toronto's not that much of a given either. Toronto's just as tough. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Toronto's playing really, really good basketball. And they're getting a lot of contributions from a ton of guys. I, I love watching Toronto play. Yeah. Me too. I'm, I'm actually a big fan. Just defensively, they're always awake. I mean, defensively, you just see they're always Alert, awake, aware. Uh, they're so good defensively. Uh, and then, of course, the nightcapper of them, Dallas Mavericks 127, Clippers 114. Kawhi Leonard had 35 points in 41 minutes. He was 10 at 21 from the field. Uh, that led – I don't want to make sure I screw this up. That did lead all scores, though, uh, in the game. Luka Doncic had 28 points in 28 minutes. He was 8 of 17 from the field. He also had 8 boards and 7 assists. Uh, 10, oh, excuse me, Chris Porzingis had 23 points, 7 to 13 from the field. He also had 7 boards, but no assist in one block. Uh, does this series get pushed to 6? I mean, when you look at Dallas Mavericks, what even, how are they competing with the Clippers? 
Well, I think the the Clippers have not really been real dominant in the bubble. Yeah. And uh, you get a couple of guys that, that get hot, and you get contributions from some unsung heroes, which Dallas has had. Uh, I mean, Trey Burke, good for him. He's found a new <laughs> home, and it's working out for him. I thought he provided some great contributions off the bench for Dallas. Uh, he, what did he score? He had uh, 16 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. Trey Burke had a block. So, you know, when you get that kind of contribution, 15 points from Seth Curry, 13 points from Boban, I mean, you get a, that's a lot of contributions coming off your bench. And when that happens, and you got a, an incredible playmaker like Luka Doncic, and Porzingis was out there playing like he wanted to prove something, that's a tough team to to beat. I, I think that the Clippers are plagued by two things. Montrez Harrell hasn't been with the team very much. And Paul George has a history of disappearing in the postseason. <laughs> he was awful last night. <laughs> what was his... Do you have his line? I don't even have it. Paul George was 4 for 17. Oh, yeah. Scored 14 points. Oh, yuck. It was a minus 13 in the plus minus. <laughs> uh, playoff Paul it George. It was all the best on Paul Kawhi George. Leonard. And that... That's why Kawhi Leonard wanted Paul George to be his teammate so he wouldn't have to carry everything. But Paul George just didn't have it. And has a history of being in games where he just yeah, doesn't, doesn't bring show it. Up. So that was just another case of that. Uh, yeah, again, 127-114. Mavericks over the Clippers. Uh, series is tied at one. <laughs> what is uh, that? So here is his, what this. Would you stop? Is that a Reese's Pieces on that one? We just got donuts brought in here. Again, I've never seen a Reese's Pieces on a donut. By the way, I, I might have to just okay, sample so it just to what? see how that goes. I actually love watching a game with James for two reasons. One, he actually knows the game of basketball. Two, he actually has good discussion during a basketball game. Like, have you ever sat and watched a would basketball game Would you say this if he somebody? didn't walk in here right now with donuts? No, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> no, I would rather... I think you're just trying to... Oh, man. I think you're just trying oh, to grease man. him up because you, gotta... you want, you want no, to take two donuts. No, seriously, here's the thing. Like, I've watched a game... Like with my wife, and it is horrible. It is treacherous. Oh come on! No, now. it is because she's like, okay, so which teams? Uh, what teams winning? And well, I'm like, that's why you have. But Reggie like when you talk to James, bench. you can talk about plays, you can talk about strategy, and it doesn't sound like he's an idiot. Yes, you know. <laughs> thanks for the second donut. I hate talking basketball, James. It sucks. <laughs> I uh, so here's what it looks like now for tomorrow's schedule. Uh, let's see. Clippers and Dallas are tomorrow. What's the date tomorrow, Eric? Tomorrow's 21st. the 21st. So 7 o'clock. All day long. Clippers and Dallas, again, are the primetime game. That's at 7 o'clock. Uh, Denver and Utah are at 2 o'clock mountain time. So, again, that will interrupt our show. Expect that to happen. Uh, Toronto and Brooklyn will be at 11.30 a.m. So, it's almost the exact same schedule. Boston and Philadelphia are at 4.30 and Miami and Indiana don't play until Sunday. Oh, excuse me, Saturday. So, uh, and by the way, we do not know the time for Monday. No, Tuesday's game because they play Saturday. Don't no, see me Friday and then Sunday. Sunday's an evening game. I'm gonna make sure I got this right, so I don't lie to you all. So, Jazz play on Sunday Friday. at seven o'clock. And then we don't know what Tuesday's time Tuesday's game will be. And if they split the weekend series, you can expect to have a game six on Thursday. And if need to be, game seven will be on fr- uh, Saturday. So here's the lineup on Tuesday. Do we have times? No. Oh. No times are set, but we know the Jazz will play on Tuesday. There will be a game five. We just don't know the start time. But here are the other games that could be happening. Nets and Raptors. Would there be a game five in that series? Toronto yeah. currently leads two nothing. Actually, no, I would probably over. say that game will not happen. Sorry, that's a no. I think the Raptors I I, I take lied. care of business. Too many injuries for the Nets. Okay. Uh, 76ers and Celtics. Boston currently leads that one two nothing. That will be. Will a game there five. be a game five? There will be a game five, and that's it. That's just a gentleman's sweep. And then Mavericks and Clippers. There will be a game five in that series. Yeah. So it's a possibility it could be two games. That day, possibly three. 
Is that on likely mo- three? Wait, are you talking about Monday? Uh, this is on Tuesday, the twenty okay, fifth. So let's let's play a game really quickly. When you look at those possible matchups, and they're going to rate it by star, you know what stars are playing when. What series, or how would you spot those games between eleven thirty two thirty four thirty seven thirty, if needed be? Because there, what you said, there's a possibility of four games, right? How would you categorize the time slots for them? Uh, let's see. Where I would go? give Toronto and Brooklyn. So, yeah, no, no, no. I'd put Toronto and Brooklyn in it's, the morning. In the morning game, get it over with, get it done. No one cares. Yep, because that's likely it's going to be a closeout. Probably not very interesting. Um, but it would be tough for me to decide on the other ones. Frankly, my guess is that the Jazz would go in the midday or the uh, early afternoon. So, because 76ers Celtics or Mavericks Clippers play to bigger media markets and they have bigger named stars. So, either of those games will get the later billing. Even though the Jazz and uh, Nuggets series could be could be more compelling, could be more interesting. But I doubt the Jazz will get the late game. I doubt they'll get the feature. Which would be seven o'clock, right? Yes. So we're at four thirty, maybe or two. I can see it's being the two o'clock game again because they, uh, you got Sixers, but it depends where that series is at. If it is like a three to one series and it's a closeout game for Boston, and really none of the games have been that close, I would imagine maybe they switch that because you got Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray in a pivotal game five. If it's tied two two, Eric. With those two going into game five, that game's going to be your 430 game. Well, I think you're right. I think that does depend. Like what, the, what any of those series really look like will depend on who gets the, the later games. If it's a 3-1 and the one game was kind of a fluke and the other three pretty dominant for one team over another, I doubt they'll get the, the later evening showing mm-hmm. unless it's like an upset. Yeah. Uh, but I think if it's a, a close series, then... That would probably be more likely, but who knows? All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Coming back, let's talk some jazz basketball. We got some quotes from Quinn Snyder. Got a quote from Rudy Gobert as they get ready for a pivotal, really big game tomorrow uh, against the Denver Nuggets with the hopes of Mike Conley returning. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. One hundred six hundred fan wants to remind you that A One Automotive and Performance offers a free three-year, thirty-six thousand mile parts and labor warranty on any repair they do. Don't trust your auto repair to just anyone. Trust someone who races their own car. A One Automotive and Performance builds some mean rides, and they can fix yours. You can call them at four three five seven five two nine six three six, or visit them in their new location. At 1065 West, 600 North in Logan. Eric France and I'm Audrey Salveson. It is the Full Court Press here on 1069 The Fan. Grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing so. If you want to participate in the show, don't be shy. You can text in at 435-339-0321. You can call in at 435-752-1069. The topic we turn back to is the Utah Jazz Game 3 tomorrow versus the Nuggets. That is at 2 p.m. Mountain Time. They'll interrupt our show We'll be on close to around the 445, 5 o'clock hour. Just brace for that in case they go into overtime, which, you know, uh, one overtime game and then a blowout. Uh, yeah, it, This one could be interesting. This could go either way, Eric, because we've seen an overtime game where, you know, the Jazz were in it and then just ran out of gas. And then you saw the Jazz with full of energy and turn around and take the, the, the Nuggets behind the woodshed. What do you almost expect to see tomorrow? I don't know, man. Yeah, that's a great answer. Every game this year, and frankly for the last few years, uh, most of these games between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets are always really close battles. So I was really surprised with the way that game played out yesterday, especially in the second half. I suspect that tomorrow will be a close one. Uh, They've got some good stars. They've got some players that have playoff experience. Um. And so I think that Denver is going to come out with a different attitude tomorrow than they did yesterday. But um, one of the keys could be, you know, 
what happens you know, defensively. Did the Jazz do uh, uh, as good as they did with the pick-and-roll defense in Game 2? Do they uh, take away the passing lanes and uh, opportunities between Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, force them into things they're not really comfortable with? Eric, when we saw the defense yesterday, we saw energy from both the starters and the bench. Guys like George Yang, guys like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert you expect it from, but Tony Bradley was even de- decent defensively. And yeah. so for the Jazz team, as Rudy Gobert says, defense fuels this offense. I really felt like that game, when you look at the video and, and the photos, you know, I, I really feel like it's popped. Uh, something in my teammates and you know, forget the block, forget the, the highlight or whatever. But I really, I really love the way you know the whole team, the whole bench uh, reacted to that. Not just that block, but that defensive sequence for the team. And I think that's the mindset we need to have, you know, for the whole playoffs. You know, it's really something that, uh, as a leader, I try to, you know, uh, uh, translate to my teammates and. Uh, and it's been great, you know, to 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 see how it fuels them, you know, when uh, when plays like that happen. I'm actually interested to talk to Tim Lacombe. He's part of the Utah Jazz Radio Network pre-half and post-game analysis team here at 5:15 in the second hour. They'll hear on the full court press. Eric, defensively, or excuse me, offensively for the Nuggets, what all of a sudden changed from game one? I'm about to say Sunday. From game one to game two that they just couldn't get anything going. Was it really the Jazz defense that boggled them down? Or is it just missing open looks and just not having that same luck of the bounce? You know, when uh, when uh, you know, some of these shots that were open looks for Murray, for Jokic, I mean, it would just curl them off the rim. Well, I think that the Jazz didn't give them as many open looks. But I also think that the Jazz played the passing lanes a lot better. And that forced... Denver to take a little bit more time to figure out their sets. Uh, they took away the first option. And if you can take away the first option, granted, they're a good, Denver's a good team. They have second and third and fourth and sometimes <laughs> even fifth options. But um, I thought the Jazz did a really good job of, of taking away those first options, which consistently, I would think, would be frustrating. Uh, and if you don't make those in-game adjustments... Uh, and on the other side too, I mean, the Jazz were just nailing yeah, outside anything shots. They threw up. They were shooting over fifty percent for most of the game. Yeah, shot and as an opponent. Total. I, you just got to feel deflated. Like I, no matter what I do, these guys just keep sticking it in my eye. So uh, I think the, the the Jazz were so good offensively, and just brought another level of intensity defensively. Uh, I think that really made the big difference in how well they were able to run away with that one. In Game 1, the Nuggets were out-rebounded by the Jazz by 10. In Game 2, the Jazz won by 20-something, and the Nuggets out-rebounded them by 5. So again, according to Coach Quinn Snyder, it's just been a big battle underneath for the boards. No matter who's in the game, you know, you mentioned Juwan. We're happy with the job he's done. You know, Juwan didn't play heavy minutes for us, um, although during the time he was in there, he did an excellent job on the boards. Um, you know, he contributed in a lot of ways, not just on the glass. And, you know, again, it's, I think it's more about us collectively and, you know, whether it's Donovan or Mike, you know, Joe Ingles had an excellent night on the boards. And when I say on the board, sometimes, you know, you're not the one rebounding, but you have a job to do. And, and that'll be the case with Mike as well. And, and he knows that. And we've got to all be committed to that, anybody that's on the floor. And he certainly is. A big concern I have, Eric, with this rebounding battle on the Utah Jazz side is they've gave up a lot of offensive boards. Where the ball's been tipped around and ends up in a Nuggets hand or the ball bounces off the rim and uh, caroms to uh, a Nuggets player uh, or it's just flat out there getting boxed out and they shouldn't be. The the rebound battle for me is going to be really key, but offensive boards for the Nuggets, second chance opportunities for the Nuggets is going to be huge tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I think second chance opportunities are big. Um you don't seem I, that worried about it though. You seem like you know it's it's it, it's more than just that. Well, I, clearly winning the rebounding margin has not proven to be the <laughs> winning <laughs> secret sauce in this series. So, it, yeah, it's always important to limit your opponents uh possessions to give you additional possessions. Uh, I think having Mike Connolly back in the mix will be interesting how they use Juwan 
uh, how Bradley, you know, what kind of, how does that mess up the rotations? Mess, mess up's not really the best word, but how does that affect things? Because I think Bradley and Morgan will still get minutes because Denver's a big team and they're going to need to go big for, for stretches. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what, what tomorrow looks like in that rebounding game. Uh, I, I, I like the Jazz in their uh, ability to, to do a better job crashing the boards. Usually they're uh, a really good rebounding team. Um, but it really depends on if the Jazz decide to go one center and four guards or they're going to go big. Uh, so I think it just depends a lot on what the matchups look like and how it dictates the play. Yeah, again, the and the pace of the game has been really interesting. At times you see the Jazz play that half-court offense and the Nuggets want to run and gun, and then other times it's vice versa. When Donovan Mitchell has the ball in his hands and he's the point guard, he wants to go at every I mean, every step he possibly can. I think it's when he, you see him sprint across the half-court line, I don't know if it's because he's scared of an eight-second violation or he actually does want to run, but uh, <laughs> who does the fast pace part of the game favor more? The Nuggets or the transition three-point let-it-go Jazz? Uh, fair question. I think, I don't know the numbers on this. I don't have the stats, but I, I think that the Nuggets are maybe a little bit more of a, a half-court team. Yeah. But the Jazz aren't necessarily a run-and-gun squad themselves. <laughs> so I think that's why the Jazz liked this matchup because they play similar styles. The The, the roster, uh, when you look at it uh, compared to, to Utah's, I think it, it makes it so it's a really pretty evenly matched squad. So um, uh, I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I think that the Jazz, uh, they do have a tendency to uh, not always take it to the rim on fast breaks. They'll shoot a three on a fast break. But uh, the Jazz have really evolved into one of the top three-point shooting teams in the NBA. You know what's crazy? When I look at these stats, uh, check out these team stat numbers so far, Eric. Uh, and these are... Yeah, these are season stats. Average points, 111.3. Even, both sides. Uh, points against, 124.5 for Denver, 120 on the dot for Utah. Field goal percentage is 47. Dead even, both sides. Rebounds, 44. Dead even, both sides. Assists, 26-22 for Denver. Steals, 8-6 for Denver. But it's just how evenly matched these teams are. It almost makes me reflect back to, I believe, the 2000, help me here, 16 series Gordon's last year, where they went to the Clippers in seven games, those two teams knew each other like the back of their hand. They knew what was coming. They knew the play. They knew the players' weaknesses, strengths. And it was just a chess match between Doc and Quinn from game one to game seven. And a few clutch buckets and execution here and there in game seven for the Jazz. A little bit more experience on their side as well. Uh, and, and the Jazz had Joe Johnson, who just got buckets. It was buckets. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So I, I look at this matchup, and it's almost similar to that because of how even these two teams are. Uh, I kind of wonder if it's more of just who can hit. It's just a lucky bounce bucket. I mean, if who can get that one lucky break. You know, a three ball to go in at the shot clock buzzard, an offensive second chance bucket that they end up scoring and maybe drawing a foul and one. Something to that effect that can, that can deflate the momentum of another team. Well, I think it's each team has uh, um, you know, three three stars that can make things happen. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr. has emerged. Oh, he's been so good, hasn't that he? For Denver. And for Utah, I would say that it's Donovan, Rudy, and then who that third person can sometimes change, either Joe Ingles or Mike Connolly. Uh, but who's the fourth guy going to be for for Denver? Who is that? Yeah, who's that going to consistently be? There's a lot of noise that people in Denver are really upset with Paul Millsap as a waste. He's nothing that he used to be, and he's not really helping the team. Mm. Um, but there's wild inconsistency with with Denver, and I know they've got some guys that are hurt. But there's been some inconsistency with Utah too. Royce O'Neal hasn't always been that guy. Um, I think Joe Ingles has been pretty consistent here in these playoffs. Uh, Mike Connolly has that potential, but it's that who's that fourth guy? Who's that X factor off the bench that you don't see coming? And who is that more consistently? 
For the Jazz, I think it's Jordan Clarkson, and he has been pretty consistent. Interesting. Uh, does Denver have a guy like that who's pretty consistent that's going to come in and get you buckets off the bench? I don't know that they do. And you know, it's something you brought up yesterday, Eric, a great point in our uh, in our show yesterday. When the Nuggets had to go to that fourth and fifth option, that's when things really went south for their offense. When it was through Murray and Jokic in game one, things were a gem. They were like rainbows. But when they Jazz defense locked down and they clamped on Murray, they clamped on Jokic, and they made him go, instead of Michael Porter Jr., it was had to go to somebody else like Paul Millsap. That's when things got really bleak for the Nuggets. Can they erase that fourth and fifth option and go back to be able to get Murray open looks? Be able to let Murray be a creator? For some reason, it felt like to me he wasn't as aggressive as he was in game one. I don't know if he's looking for Jokic more or if he was just trying to, if he just didn't feel like he had the looks that he was getting in game one, but he wasn't as aggressive. If he can't be aggressive, if Jokic can get those shots to fall in that 99.9% of them do, then this team's going to be tough tomorrow afternoon. And the Jazz are just going to have to hang on for dear life and go match bucket for bucket on the other end. I can easily see this. Uh, what's the over-under for the scoring total? Do we have that? 218.5. Uh, early non-counted pick six, over-under. Um, sorry, I had to refresh my screen here. No, you're good. Uh, 218.5 is the over-under total. I would, I would take the over. Over. Me too. I think it's going to be a high speed scoring game. I think it's going to be a fast-paced game, to be honest. By the way, the Nuggets are a one-and-a-half favorite. Oh, and know, that might drop to a pick by tomorrow morning. Well, I think it depends on the news well, about Mike, Mike, Mike Conley. Conley. Yep, great point. Great point you bring up. I mean, Jazz have shown they can win without him, but I think he makes a big difference when he's there, especially the way he's been playing in the bubble. He is, he is playing like the Jazz always hoped that he would play. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, Eric, you found a soundbite about the draft lottery. Give us a little tease here on this. Well, the NBA has been trying to address the issue of tanking and uh, trying to uh, take away the incentives for teams to tank and race to the bottom. And so the NBA draft lottery is going to be coming up soon. And it's just a a primer on uh, just how the NBA draft lottery works and how it's changed. All right, we'll get to that and more. Uh, We'll talk some baseball in hour number two. Not good things in Cincinnati right now. Uh, Thanks to a broadcaster whose mic was hot. You know the rule. When you're uh, you're close to a mic, pretend like it's always hot. And uh, one broadcaster did not, and he is suffering the consequences. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and AJ Salveson, Full Court Press, on a August 20th here on a Thursday. Jazz Nuggets, Game 3 tomorrow. Eric and I will give you our keys to the game and our predictions at the uh, towards the end of the 5 o'clock hour. We'll have our pick six there as well. Tim Lacombe, former BYU men's basketball assistant coach and current Utah Jazz radio network analyst, which you can hear on this very station for pre, half, and post, uh, will be joining us at 5.15. Really excited to talk to him. Super good dude. And I don't say that a lot about BYU people, but he is definitely one of the good guys. Should we ask him about... Never mind. Which one do you want to ask about? Taysom Hill being the greatest NFL player? Taysom Hill or Kyle Van Noy? Or or even... Yeah, never mind. I'm not going to say the other Those are football questions, and he's a basketball guy. So we won't... We'll ask him about how Jimmer uh, is... I think you you one time agreed with me that Jimmer is better than Sam in every way possible and should be in the NBA and would be breaking records. Is that close? I don't know. I don't remember that conversation. NBA draft lottery is tonight. And, uh, you know, the the thing with the draft lottery is when you hear the lottery, you think tanking with almost every single team. Teams would tank for Zion Williamson like no other. Um, there was rumor back in the day when you had the Hakeem-Michael Jordan uh, draft with John Stockton and Barkley in it and all such that people tanked for Hakeem Olajuwon. People tanked. The Knicks tanked for Patrick Viewing in a one. Uh, here is, and, and Eric, this, uh, this soundbite comes from who again? This is Todd Ant, 
with ABC Sports. Okay, uh, about the NBA draft lottery. Welcome everyone to the NBA draft lottery. This will be the second year the draft lottery will be using a new algorithm and attempt to level the playing field. We'll place 14 ping pong balls, numbered one through 14, into this glass drum. 14 teams that did not make the 2020 postseason are eligible for the lottery. The top three teams with the best odds are Golden State, Cleveland, and Minnesota at 14%. What's at stake? Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and James Wiseman, considered to be the top prospects ahead of the NBA draft in mid-October. Todd Ant, ABC Sports. You know, it's interesting because you said, look at the list and you're like, man, last year was really good. This one sucks. Yeah, the, the draft prospects for this year don't seem to be as strong. Uh, so let, let, let's talk about this. This this NBA tanking and the NBA trying to fa- fix the tanking and trying to uh, look for a way to even out the playing field a little bit. But Eric, you still got the same teams that usually that are up there, right? Cleveland is perennially in the draft lottery. Minnesota perennially in the draft lottery. Uh, I mean, there's years where Atlanta and Detroit can be competitive. New York Knicks perennially yeah. in the draft lottery. And they lottery. usually get screwed over somewhere where they don't get that top pick. But a, a new team, for the first time in how long, makes their face in that draft lottery. Yeah, Golden State, one of those teams that uh, could be the number one overall draft pick. Let me ask you something. Just play hypothetical with me for a bit. We like this game. Golden State gets the number one pick, but there's no one in there spicy enough that makes you say this is going to make our team better. You looked at Milwaukee, and you say, Milwaukee, look, you need the number one pick. Giannis is going to leave your team because you guys can't win the finals, or if they don't go to the finals, take our number one pick, choose a guy other than Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and let's make a deal. Because either you lose Giannis for absolutely nothing, and you know how what that does to teams, or you get the number one pick and a player, and we get Giannis. Attractive or no? Uh, maybe, but I don't know that, that Golden State financially can even make it work. I mean, suppose really? if you trade away like multiple players and the first round draft choice, uh, the number one overall pick, that maybe you can make it work. But uh, I don't know. I think what's more likely is that Golden State says we don't we don't see somebody here that we think is going to be a difference maker at number one. Mm-hmm. So let's make a deal. And uh, they'll trade down and to find another player to complement Clay Thompson and Steph Curry that's currently in the NBA. I don't think Giannis is that player. You don't think Giannis but can complement the Warriors? Um, I mean, they made Kevin Durant work, and Kevin Durant just hated it because of Draymond Green. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, it's not that I don't think that he couldn't play us alongside Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I just don't financially think they can make it work. Um, but I didn't think that uh, Kevin Durant would, would financially make work uh, w- with uh, Golden State, everything else that they had and all the money they were spending. But um, I-, I think it's probably more likely that they'd try to make a deal and spin that number one pick out uh, and mm-hmm. find another really good player to join to join their team and they're back in the hunt next year. Who would, as a superstar, be a good fit for the Golden State Warriors? Uh, I think of a um, probably a little bit bigger player. He's already got two guards. Yeah. So I think a little bit bigger player that can play multiple positions. And um, oh, I'm trying to think like of a Jason now. Tatum. Yeah, Tatum would be really sexy for that to squad. Is he? He's still on a rookie term deal, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he is. Under and he's still got contract. a couple of years left, if I'm not mistaken. What about a guy like? Uh, and this won't happen. In no way would Toronto let this happen. Pascal Siakam. Wow, yeah. That'd be a great fit. I mean, again, that's that's like pipe dreams for Golden State. But at the same time, when you've got Curry and Thompson over there and the talent they have... Yeah, a lanky, small forward. It's not hard to say yes. Honestly, it, it's a much more attractive deal than it looks. And some guys have taken pay cuts just to go to Golden State. Yeah, it's true. Now, I don't know if that changes now again, like... You have no Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant was such a major contributor to why they won back-to-back championships, and I think he was back-to-back finals MVP too. Without Durant, what does that team do? What are they capable of accomplishing? Is Again, I think they'll need that third, fourth star if you want to put Draymond Green in that list. Uh, but yeah, the, the draft lottery is this evening, 6.30 tonight. 
uh, Golden State, Cleveland, and Minnesota all have an equal chance of getting the number one pick. So it's not, uh, it, there is still going to be a race to the bottom for some teams in the NBA, but it's not guaranteed that you get the number one pick. So I like that. I like that they're they're trying to uh, discourage teams from trying to be the first to being worst. Um, but at the same time, I mean, these are some of these teams. They're they have young talent, and they're trying to develop their young talent. They're not always going to win. Some ball clubs, they're always in the draft lottery, and you, they just never get it figured out. And you, I kind of feel bad for them to some degree for those good players that land on those teams, and they're just always going to be in the draft lottery. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Our final break of the hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, Tim Lacombe, former BYU basketball assistant, will join us to talk about Utah Jazz basketball. Uh, we're going to get into some college football news. Again, there's more news. The governor of Mississippi took a stab at the Big Ten and Pac-12. Uh, so a lot of football news to get to, and we'll get your predictions on our keys for what we hope to be a Jazz win and pick six. All coming up in hour number two. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Hey, coming up in hour number two, Tim Lacombe. College football news, MLB news. Milwaukee right now leads by 18 over Orlando, 37-19. Miami over Indiana, Houston over Oklahoma City earlier today. Second hour coming up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. 100 years ago today, a group of men got together at a car dealership in Canton, Ohio, and formed a football league that would later become the NFL. I'd love to see the faces of those early owners if they could see what the league has become. Billion-dollar TV contracts, massive state-of-the-art stadiums, international games, not to mention the product on the field. Can you imagine players from 100 years ago in leather helmets trying to cover Julio Jones or block J.J. Watt? or any of the weird stuff that makes football so entertaining. Try explaining Spygate or Deflategate to an owner from 100 years ago, even 30 years ago for that matter. Even among the other American pro sports, the NFL stands out. Football overtook baseball as the national pastime a long time ago. And for all the criticism the league takes, they have helped create a phenomenon. So, happy 100th birthday, NFL. Hopefully your 100th season will be a successful one. I'm Dan Patrick. I'm Dan